We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse and Unsights TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, it's weird. It's Tomorrow's my last full day in Montreal, so... Uh, it's well, of course since I'm behind on my packing, I'm just going to be packing really. But you had to go to the croissantorie and get get I know I just butchered that by the way and get an almond and a chocolate croissant for me because those were amazing when I came. I, to I visit. actually I actually went there yesterday morning for the purpose of getting one of those uh, just right after they came out of the oven. And actually, as, on, as I was on my way out, the guy who owned the place asked, "Oh, are you leaving?" And he's never in my many years of going there. He's never asked me that, and I thought he, I thought he somehow knew. It's <laughs> like, ah, yes, yes, I am. And they didn't charge me any tax. And he said, oh, you can come every if you come every day. I won't charge you any tax. Oh, oh he didn't know. Oh, uh, he didn't. Oh well. Well, see, anyway. maybe, maybe he will discover this podcast and find out after the fact. Connect the dots. Maybe. So this is so this is going to be the last Televerse partially recorded in Montreal. Sad face. Sad face. Oh well. The, though, I'd, so once you're established, maybe I'll have to make the trek to Toronto, the vile den of terribleness, as far as you're concerned, of Toronto. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm going to have to stop hating it quite so much if I'm going to live there. Yeah. So it seems. This week we got to talk to Amory Cunningham from My Take on TV and TV, the TV Times 3 podcast about Dead Like Me. So that's coming at the end of the show. That was a lot of fun. Um, some more Brian Fuller action. We've already talked uh, Wonderfalls. And I think we have some Pushing Daisies coming in the future, yes? On the horizon, yes. Uh, so apparently it's just a love fest for Brian Fuller on the Televerse. Uh, but I, I'm going or to start... Or is it? Wait for the shelf. And Ooh. That's a good good point, um, but I'm going to start off the the this portion of the of the podcast with an apology. It seems like a fun way to start the podcast. I said last week I was going to have an article up like on Tuesday, and it it's it's still not there, and it's just not going to be there. So fi yeah, and shame. Yeah, pretty much. Like I was telling you, the the worst part about it is that it's already written. It's handwritten. Uh, I, I wrote it, you know, during uh, the other day at rehearsal during, I had, there was a, I had a long break between rehearsals. And so I, I wrote it, but, uh, actually it was like a week ago that I did that. Uh, but I haven't been able to put it up because my sister's getting married in Peru, the, uh, country, uh, Lima, Peru, not the, you know, small town of Lima, uh, <laughs> in, oh, and a week and a half. And, I'm leaving in a week, and so things are wedding central here, and I, I just, I don't have time. I barely have time to take care of my Televerse responsibilities, let alone uh, being a productive member of the Sound On Sight team. So I'm going to be somewhat absent from from Sound On Sight for at least a few weeks here. Um, but I'll come back with a bang in July with hopefully a bunch of coverage from Comic-Con, so... Uh, hopefully that'll make up for it, but no articles coming from me for the next few weeks 
and I'm sorry for wah, lying. Wah. <laughs> well, you are you are a, a, a notorious liar. I'm just a, a horrible, horrible a person, so it seems. Uh, but onto happier news, Mario is watching The Vampire Diaries. Uh, he said uh, he's he's on like episode six or seven, and things started kicking in after the fourth episode. And I think you know that we both know what point he means. Somebody yes, somebody dies. Let's just say that and. Things uh, not, take a not turn. Not an uncommon occurrence. Not an uncommon area. occurrence, no. Um, so that's fun. So hopefully, Mario, you'll keep us uh, informed of your progress. I would love to, to follow uh, what you're doing as your, uh, or your reactions as you're watching the show. Um, and then also uh, lots of talk from Ken and some other people as well, Corey and others, about the Les Mis trailer, which came out last week. I, uh, I have opinions about that. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. They're fairly strong. Uh, but uh, this is a TV podcast, not a film podcast. So yeah, I check back into Sound on Sight around Christmas. Maybe we'll <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of fun talking with, with you guys about that. But uh, I'll leave the strongly worded comments for the future, if and when that uh, when that comes out, and uh, if I see it. Um, and but, uh, I I just started on Battlestar. That's which... what I was gonna go to next. Yeah. So I don't. I, so I'm, I'm trying not to do my happy dance. Trying to keep it uh -huh. subdued. Uh, I may have done a little bit of a victory lap when you told me that you were watching the show. Uh, I tried to keep you it... You get excited about weird things. I do. Uh, so it seems. There. So how far are you? What are you thinking? Uh, I'm about halfway through season one. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking. You get that for the future DVD show. Ah. Done. Or you can follow me on Twitter where I'll occasionally be saying things. Excellent. Trying to lure lure people into the Twitterverse. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'll spoiler alert. I'm enjoying it, but I, but I keep getting warnings from people about where it's headed. So we'll we'll see if I agree or not. Yes, I I, I look forward to that future DVD shelf. We've had the guest for that eventual DVD shelf lined up for months half a year like half like like i think we we that somebody requested that one and we said when we do it we'll call you back up and that was like november <laughs> so uh i'm i'm looking forward to that one and uh, the last thing before we get into our uh our weekend tv and certainly not the least as uh, we have a we got a new uh rating and review on itunes from virginia f Thank you so Ow! much, Virginia. You gave us a lovely five-star review. It had many nice things to say, and I guess found us through, via the previously on guys. So thank you for the reference, uh, Sean and David. Um, and she likes our chaptering, so I feel validated in my oh-so-interesting uh, <laughs> attempts to do that on a not-Mac, which is diff more difficult than it should be. But um, I like it, and I'm glad that you do too, Virginia. So welcome to the Televerse listenership, and uh, please drop us a line on, you know, when you're listening. And she said she's catching up with the back catalog, so it'll be fun to, to hear. If we get, like, a random thing on Brass Eye or one of these, or Spaced or one of these other shows that we did, you know, a while back, it'd be fun to hear her thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yes, that would be great. So you can be like Virginia. How can they be like Virginia, Simon? Oh, well, they could be like virginia by reviewing us yeah on uh, on itunes on itunes or rating rating us is fine but reviewing us is better or leave us a comment over at sound on site yes where the uh, postings go up good times or uh, or drop us a line on twitter which i'm at sucker howl you're at the televerse mm -hmm. you'll probably hear that again at some point yes anyway <laughs> anyways let's let's get into our week in tv and i'm looking forward to this because we're starting off with uh the cougar town finale which was a two-parter my life and your world and uh you had uh some thoughts about this you don't 
watch Cougar Town usually. Uh, you, I think you probably wouldn't have, except that there's so few shows this week. I've I've seen a few episodes. I mean, I haven't disliked it in the past. It's, you know, it's clearly a show that has a cult following and people who like it really like it. But I came to a conclusion this this week while watching this hour long Cougar Town, which is Cougar Town is creepy. <laughs> Cougar Town is a creepy, creepy show about people who don't act correctly. And I, I know it's a comedy and it's heightened and all that, but it's just a few things about it I find disconcerting. Such as? Such as, well, I mean, let's put, I mean, there's the whole basic idea of these, you know, 40-year-olds who desperately cling to each other for attention and friendship and never seem to be able to leave each other alone for more than two minutes at a time, which doesn't seem quite right, but let's put that on the back burner for now. <laughs> um, the whole thing with, you'll have to remind me of the... Uh, the, the the son's name travis travis the whole thing with him and and busy phillips's character I, you know i don't mind I, I don't care about the age difference part i'm not that much of a prude but you know the whole thing where he you know he gets trashed on his 21st birthday and then shows up naked and embarrasses himself horribly and the following morning they're all like oh this is how love stories begin no it's not no <laughs> It's just a horrible, stupid, embarrassing thing you did that this is not how life works and it's not healthy to tell your son that. That's not cool. Oh, I think that's hilarious. I love that that's your reaction. Uh, for for me, I think of it more as a, well, he's already done this really embarrassing thing. Let's try to make him feel a little better about it. And uh, there's no way that gang with their uh, affinity, shall we say, for, for wine hasn't haven't all done incredibly stupid things and they've all survived so you know in theory this will just you know be another one of those fun memories has, it, has anyone ever gotten a, a dui on cougar town no i think they just don't drive we like never see anybody drive i think bobby drives a golf cart i was gonna say i, I saw one of them driving a vehicle and there's no way he wasn't drunk at the time because they're always <laughs> drinking <laughs> And the other thing is, there's this running gag in the episode with Ellie openly hitting on, I would say more than hitting on David Arquette, practically stripping in front of at every possible opportunity David Arquette while her husband stands three feet away. And it's just like, I don't like this. And it's supposed to be funny, but it's just sad. Yeah, they took that a lot farther or that dynamic in the relationship of i don't like that you're doing this i don't care um which if they've effectively used uh that's part of the the couple's dynamic they've effectively used that um frequently in the past but they took took it to a kind of a strange place and i, I so i agree with with your issues with that actually in this episode it didn't seem it seemed like it was uh, a little bit too much and and uh yeah, I mean, if if you were if you were Ian Gomez's character, I mean, you'd be upset. And they normally they they back off right before they get to the he should legitimately be angry part of 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 that dynamic. But um, other than that, I mean, I I actually really enjoyed the finale. I had a lot of fun with it. I look forward to seeing what happens when it goes to TBS next year. They have a new showrunner coming in. They have uh, they're going to keep the same cast. They might actually add in. Uh, Wade, who is Lori's boyfriend, army boyfriend, as a recurring character. So I look forward to seeing, you know, if it can find a, a longer life on, on a, since it has such a, a strong following, but a small following, it'll be interesting to see if this can, this kind of a show can work on a TBS network, you know, network. 
Well, I'm looking forward to seeing, or at least hearing, because I'm not going to be watching it, uh, if there's a plot line wherein Wade discovers that they're all codependent alcoholics <laughs> and decides that it's not healthy, tries to stage an intervention, it doesn't work, and he leaves never to be seen again, <laughs> while the show rides off drunkenly into the sunset and maybe crashes into a tree. Oh. Anyway. Anyways. Let's, uh, let's move on to Thursday and Eagleheart, Honor Thy Marshal. <laughs> I suppose it was about time we got a, a meta episode of, or an ex- I guess this level of a meta episode of Eagleheart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really fun. Uh, I mean, how many... I'm trying to think of the structure of this episode in my brain, and it it's very confusing. Like, it starts off as an average episode of Eagleheart, and then you gradually figure out that it's an infomercial about the Marshall Service. Mm-hmm. But then it's mostly just a promo for a canceled TV show produced by Conan O'Brien called, called Honor Thy Marshall, which is actually about a Texas Ranger. And then it just it just keeps spiraling out into other new dimensions, and I mean it's it's really even if you're not finding it funny one minute, it's probably going to completely shift paradigms in the next. So I don't know. I as per usual, I enjoyed this episode of Eagleheart. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought bringing on Conan O'Brien uh, as the the Walker Texas Ranger producer was quite entertaining uh if only because are you familiar do you know he had the walker texas ranger i think it was a pulley or a lever on the show for a while where every time you, right yeah you get show a random clip and uh, i've seen too many episodes of walker texas ranger uh I, I one of my brothers very much enjoyed the show when we were all like seven uh so so i very much enjoyed those rather spot-on references to the to the original show or to that show. So I, I had a lot of fun with this episode and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one for me. Eagleheart. It either it works or, you know, they go for crazy and it works or they go for crazy and it kind of just lies there, but it is uh, usually pretty fun. And at 10 minutes or, you know, 15 is kind of, uh, kind of hard. It's, it's always worth the time. I should say it's always, you know, mm-hmm. worth checking in. Um, next, uh, you don't watch this, but I finally caught up with the season premiere of So You Think You Can Dance and watched uh, a bunch of that and had so much fun. I- I've watched this show uh, just very sporadically over the-, the previous years, kind of checking in when and my sister's a fan. So when when we're both sitting around watching TV, maybe is when I've I've seen bits of it. But the show is great. Yeah, if you ever you've never seen any, right? Oh, I I probably saw. I think I saw maybe. Let, let's say a combined half season between the first couple seasons. Okay. I haven't watched it in years. Now, is you have a you just you're not interested in it, or or do you? I mean, no. I mean, every once in a while, people will be freaking out over some generally a modern dance performance set to some edgy piece of music, and every once in a while, I'll see that and I'll be very impressed for three minutes, and then I will forget I watched it right afterwards. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a solid show. I just never have occasion to watch it. Yeah, fair enough. I for me, what I really appreciate about the premiere is that. First of all, uh, I think they showed in, in, in the hour and a half premiere, I think they showed two dancers who weren't good. One, because he probably was going to be a good enough dancer to get at least onto the, the choreography, like the sec, the next phase of not necessarily going straight to the next round, but, you know, had the potential. But it was such a, a jackass that they just kicked him off um, for his personality. He was, uh, he was making fun or, or being mean to an autistic guy who had gotten up there and done his thing and they were all very supportive of course they didn't pass him on he was not uh he was not a dancer at all but he just wanted to do it 
And he's like, I can't believe you guys even had this guy on here and was a kind of complete jackass. So uh, that's an easy way to get booed by the audience. Um, and so they showed that. And then they showed, I think, one other person. But the, the judges were always very respectful and um, and uh, and brief, which is appreciative. But mostly I just appreciate the fact that the producers spend a majority of the time showing really good dancers do their thing. So I look forward to watching this season. And I mean, when you compare the popularity of So You Think You Can Dance to uh, Dancing with the Stars, are you kidding me? These are actual dancers and they're really good. <laughs> Why don't more people watch this show? What about America's Best Dance Crew with Randy Jackson? I have not seen that one, so I, I couldn't tell you. But well, I guess you must be relieved there's no way to auto-tune dancing. Yes, that helps. That really does. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so we'll I look forward to, to following the season. They don't have they used to have a, a regular show and a results show. This year they've cut the results show, so that's affected their uh their their structure somewhat, but uh it also means that instead of three hours a week, there's two hours a week and that's a okay with me. So I look forward to seeing uh where the season takes it. And then that brings us to Sunday and the HBO uh, comedies. So let's talk girls. Weirders need girlfriends too. Right. And I, I, I read quite a bit. I, I, when it, girls is the only show that I really follow the reaction to mm. because it, it inspires a lot of diverse reactions. Some of them, of course, incredibly hateful. This episode took quite a lot of flack from quite a few people. Uh, but I, I pretty solidly enjoyed it. It was divided mostly into the Adam and Hannah stuff and the other girls minus Shoshana stuff. And I thought both mostly worked. Um, it was a little bit broader than we're used to from them. A little bit less idiosyncratic, I thought. Uh, so, uh, it, almost following, especially with the Adam and Hannah stuff, it felt sort of more like a standard indie rom-com type scenario, but, but pretty solidly written and acted, so not too annoying. And with the appearance of Chris O'Dowd and the other storyline sort of connecting to the Town-iverse through Bridesmaids, and of course also known for the IT crowd. Um, that storyline could have also, I, th I think, could have been really cheap and not paid off well, but I, I, I think he sold his little breakdown very well <laughs> and was extremely funny. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was not a not maybe as interesting as some of the episodes, but certainly very funny and very solid. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the time that we spent with Adam this week, and I I really liked the the just this sort of giddy happiness that we got from from Hannah for most of the beginning of the episode, and I liked seeing the ways that she is helping him um, by them being together because we've seen uh, somewhat of how he how how she why she likes being in the relationship, and so it's nice to see how he is helped and bettered by having her around um and so i mean it's still kind of a weird twisty relationship but i think the title's perfect uh weirdos need girlfriends too um so i think that works very well and then i i didn't even as soon as you said uh chris o'dowd uh, i didn't even recognize that that was him um and they, so yeah that that storyline was was a uh, pretty hilarious and i'm glad it didn't go where i thought it was going to um so now it seems to me that this only makes all the more apparent the fact that Shoshana is the, the girl that they need to work on. Because I think the other three are very well developed and uh, have been explored uh, 
their their personalities and their interrelationships and other stuff in a far more complete and interesting way than she has. So hopefully next week we'll get some more Shoshana. Yes. Uh, I mean, my, my only qualm really with the Chris O'Dowd stuff is the guy needs to stop trying American accents because he, he has not hacked that yet. Yeah. Just, at just least, be British. At least he, you know, was a international traveler. You know, the character was so it would make sense for his accent to be a little wonky if he spends a lot of time overseas. But but yeah, <laughs> it was a sort of floaty accent. It was rough. Accent, yeah. Um, I think another thing for me is as great as the Adam character is when I'm thinking back on the season, the sort of transition for him from, you know, super like, how can I put, how can I put this? Asshole. Fair, uh, sleazy asshole, ultra kinky mm-hmm. dude transitioning into actually very sweet guy with just a few problems. I don't know if that was entirely smooth mm-hmm. and maybe I'd have to rewatch the episodes to figure that out. I'm not sure just them going steady is enough to make that transition work. Well, he, but, he, uh, he pees on her this week and doesn't stop when she tells him to. That's, that's, that is that's messed up and assholey. That's true, but it's still kind of small potatoes compared to some of the other stuff, if, we're, if, if, if yeah, we I recall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least he wasn't, you know, pretending she was a seven-year-old while they were having sex or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, like they were some of the other times. Uh, but... Yeah, but I, I but it's it's a pretty strong performance, and uh, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely definitely think Shoshana is in desperate need of some of some fleshing out. A crackcident is not enough. <laughs> um, next we have Veep. Full disclosure, and uh, you're right. They resolved the pregnancy storyline very quickly, uh, which is a bit of a shame. I was disappointed by that. But that being said, I I still enjoyed the hell out of this episode. What did, what did you think? Yeah, well, I also said. If they did, quote, resolve the pregnancy soon and managed to milk any laughs out of it, they would have my respect, and they did. So, they have my respect. This episode directed by the great Christopher Christopher Morris, as he's (laughs) credited this week. Maybe that's his American name. I don't know. I'm just still going to call him Chris Morris. Um, I didn't really notice a difference, but I'm glad to see he's getting work. Uh, yeah, another pretty solid episode. I, I like the whole dynamic, basically turning Selena into Donald Trump and who will be fired. Uh, I, I liked, I mean, Amy's solution was kind of obvious, but still fairly elegant if messed up. <laughs> but clearly to me, the, the, the highlight of the episode was uh, Selena getting Gary to do the breakup for her. <laughs> I kept waiting for him to be like a savant at it because he's so good at all of his part of his job and so i i was expecting him to just come up with something elegant and fabulous and he didn't even realize that you know and then it didn't at all he <laughs> was terrible no, it just it was just awkward and terrible <laughs> yeah i agree that was the highlight of the episode for me the whole like between seeing in his house and the the rivalry with sue and yeah yeah i mean it's it, i mean especially as this as the season goes on it's clear that and here I have here I am draw, throwing out another thick of it comparison. Uh, I, I rewatched recently um, the, the 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 special uh, from thick of it, sort of between the last two seasons, and they do have a very different vibe. Uh, the, the two series, the uh, Veep is quite content to be more sitcommy mm-hmm. and sort of a little more genial, if only because there's there's a little bit less hateful invective being thrown around, although not not by that much. And in general, it's just, it's, the the targets feel a little softer, and it seems to be happy with that. It feels lower stakes, somehow. 
okay. even though you're technically dealing with a higher office uh, if you if you were to do a comparison. But it, it seems to be quite content doing that, and it's doing it in a way that is consistently funny, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. If, if, they, uh, if they continue calling uh, Toby uh, Dick Cake for the rest of the series, I'll, uh, I'll be a happy viewer, is all I have to say. So I had a lot of fun with this. And next yeah. week we have the finale, which will probably get somewhat overshadowed by the Mad Men finale we have coming next yeah. week as well. Oh. I do think one one thick of itty touch that I really did appreciate though was the the whole idea of we're gonna have an info dump, but we're gonna plant one embarrassing story, and then the press doesn't even find it because they did their jobs too well. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was a really nice touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so our final show for Sunday is Mad Men commissions and fees. Right, uh, Jared Harris is not having a good season. No, not not a good uh, TV season for for Harris characters. They're I mean, I guess there were only the two, but neither one went out in a particularly noble way. Flattering, noble yeah. way. No. Though, uh, that story that you said to me, that quote from Jared Harris, uh, did, you know, if it was possible, it did raise him in my estimation. Yeah, go go read some Jared, Jared Harris interviews about him dying, and I think you'll find some amusing stuff. Uh, on the uh, opposite end of that, Mad Men is just determined to ruin our days This <laughs> this season, isn't it? I mean... I, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, I remember stating quite confidently that this was my favorite season of Mad Men, and over the last couple of weeks, now I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I, I'm, I'm not totally sold on the direction they're going all of a sudden. It feels a little bit like I'm back to watching season two of Six Feet Under and wondering why I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see how, how for many this is another depressing episode. Um, I thought... I mean, I was so certain that I was surprised that, that Lane died just because I was so certain he was going to try to asphyxiate himself with the car and then the car wouldn't work um, because they've talked so much about Jaguars being lemons um, and that, that that would be a sign to him. And he, so then he wouldn't kill himself. So I was surprised that that he did, you know, come up with a, a different solution. Um, but for me, there's a lot of positive in this episode, too. I think we get to see, I, I mean, I really enjoyed what we get with Sally. Seems like she's, you know, pretty well adjusted. Uh, I, I liked the scenes with Megan. You, you think you think Sally's well adjusted? Compared to where, what she should be? I mean, the scenes with her and uh, and Glenn were, were nice, I thought. I mean, obviously she freaks out, but before that. Oh, no, yeah, the, yeah, her her relationship with, with Glenn is sort of adorable, but... I don't know, with with every passing season, she just seems more and more like Lil Betty to me. Well, it's possible, but, uh, well, I mean, what else do you expect when that's her main, you know, maternal figure? That's what she's, you know, modeling herself on. It's, you, you kind of hope that she's gonna, you know, avoid that somehow, but... I guess, but there, there's still, there's little indicators of spite in there, like, the fact that when she, when she goes out with Megan and has tea, she just keeps pouring sugar in there because she doesn't get to have any sugar in the house and i'm just imagining well i think I'm that's just, i'm think... just imagining her having little dance freakouts in the house when no one's around well see but i also think that that i don't think that sugar was so much about the fact that betty doesn't let her have sugar i think it was more about the fact that she was trying to be grown up with getting coffee but she you know she doesn't like it because it's too it's not sweet enough 
so it's just showing that as much as she's trying to seem like an adult, she's not there yet. And I think that was just more a sign of her maturity. And I also thought it was a nice dissolve to like uh, to a sleeping Don, where it's the notion of like the Sandman. I thought was kind of cool too. Right. Uh, notably, no Peggy this week, which I think to me helped to make it feel extra depressing. Okay. Because I'm, you know, I like having her around. I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see her in the finale next week. Yeah, I would be a little surprised if we didn't, but, you know, I guess it would make sense if we didn't either. So, that, I mean, that if, if we don't, then the last scene we left her on, that smile as she walks into the elevator, I think is a pretty nice, positive place to leave her for the season. Yes. Um, why don't we talk about uh, Jared Harris and his fabulous performance this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, they did a pretty good fake out there with him not... I, I, I was actually laughing at him, I'm going to be honest, when, <laughs> when the... Uh, suicide attempt did not go off in uh in the jaguar uh, i i think yeah he, he's he's great at pulling off sort of he he tries to communicate communicate to don just how serious an issue this is and how horrible a trespass this is in his society and it doesn't quite come off and you can you can see that dynamic happening it's not an it's not really an, an easy scene that they have together and I think uh, he did a fantastic job. I'm glad we got one more scene with him and his wife. Yeah. We haven't seen her in quite a while, it feels like. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, obviously thinking back, he wasn't necessarily the greatest guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, he did have a certain uh, pathetic charm. Yeah, I mean, the it's a tricky one because Jared Harris is so sympathetic as Lane in that scene that you... I could see how people would want Don to give him another chance or something, but you know, it's also, you can't, that's not how, that's not how the world works. And his choice to commit suicide is, you know, his, his choice and an overreaction to the situation he's in. But it's, but it's also a, it's a particularly British reaction to the situation. Like it, you know, if if it were Don in that same situation, I mean, he'd probably just change his identity and you know, take someone else's skin. I don't know, but in in his it, it's it means something different to Lane than it would to Roger or Don. And yeah, I mean, if only, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's as much of a British thing as it is a not American thing, because I think that would also okay, yeah. there there are other societies that would have a similar approach to that, um, but. But yeah, I, I, so I look forward, I guess, to Don's reaction going forward. And I just, I guess I'm not looking forward to him blaming himself for for Lane's death when he was absolutely 100% in the right in his actions. Do you think he will blame himself? I mean... Yes. I think I'm he already sure. did. Well, I, I, see, I'm not sure about that because so much of this last bit of the season has just been showing Don as more of sort of a ruthless pragmatist. I mean, we saw that when he, in his meeting with Dow Chemical this week, uh, sort of going on about... And personally, at, at the end of that meeting, I had no idea what their reaction was going to be, which was sort of a nice mm -hmm. feeling. Like, usually with, with Mad Men, you either feel the pitch is great or a lemon, mm -hmm. and you, you have a pretty good idea how that's going to pan out. But this time, I really had no idea how the scorched earth approach no pun intended was, <laughs> was going to work uh but anyway uh, so I'm, I'm not sure if i feel like a couple seasons ago that's how don would react or at least that's how i instinctively think he would 
This time around, I'm not so sure. Like, that may be his initial reaction, but I think he may quickly rationalize that away. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see where the finale goes. There's a lot left to uh, to, to juggle, I would say. Uh, <laughs> I liked Ken this week as well, I wanted to add. Uh, you know, I, I liked Ken. It was a little bit... I was a little bit sad to see him sort of being a player just because I, 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 you know, I like the mm-hmm. fact that he's generally such a straight shooter. Well, but, uh, he, he, I like that. I think him turning down the partnership is him being a straight shooter. Yeah. That's, that was a nice touch. Um, although I wonder how that's been getting, getting out. I mean, it's, it seems clear that by next week, everyone's just going to know about that, which well, well, I think he, he knows about that because he was in on the meeting with right, the yeah. guy originally. And that's why, I mean, he already didn't like Pete, but I think that is why he has such a particular animus towards him in this episode. Because he yeah. knows that Pete's um, responsible. Yeah, it would have been nice to get some closure on the whole Roger and Joan thing that was such a uh, thorn in the side for me with last week's episode. Mm-hmm. I was sort of hoping that we'd at least get a scene with them with maybe a little bit more explanation for why he uh, sided with the rest of the partners, but it doesn't seem like that's really in the cards at this point. I I feel like we might get that next week, and it might be that the two of them haven't really been alone in this yet. So we might get, maybe. you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I did like Joan's scene with uh, with Lane this week where, yeah. they, you know, she, she it starts off being professional and she's, you know, putting a happy face on things, and then he... He just has to say something dickish, and yeah. he remembers why why she is where she is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, which, which a, a very another very depressing but nicely played yeah. little moment. So it's been. I mean, it, I think it's been a really fantastically strong season. I, I agree. I could really see how people wouldn't have it as their favorite, but I think it has been a, a very well done season, very well mm-hmm. executed, and uh, hopefully yeah. they don't leave us on the utterly depressing note that the rest of the season has left us on yeah well it is it's easy to forget that the whole i mean i think the first 10 episodes really i mean like there's really only the last two weeks that have been super Uh, depressing to me except for some of the betty stuff well all of the megan stuff and megan and don i don't think that's all been bad i mean straggling uh in x in his dreams it's been a dark season there's been a lot of dark i mean there's dark dreams and then dark reality, and I find the latter worse. But I mean, there was also a lot of great humor in that in the first, I would say, two thirds of the season that's sort of been dissipating, and that's a little bit uh, disappointing to see. So I guess we'll just have to see where the finale takes us. And uh, next week yes. we're going to have Adam, who does our sound and sight uh, write-ups for Mad Men, join us to talk about that. And uh, if, if for those who haven't been checking him out, he does a fantastic job. I always love reading his write-ups. So uh, you guys yep. should head over to, to soundonsight.org and see what he has to say. So, um, yeah. I think that that pretty much wraps up our week in TV. We have a separate Game of Thrones podcast where we talk about the the finale of that, uh, which was a fun one to do. And uh, also, I will mention that I'm st- I am still watching Lost Girl. I haven't been um, reviewing it every week because I don't really have that much new to say, other than I'm I'm still enjoying the show. So that's still been a fun one for me to to watch on Mondays. But I think that that wraps up our week in TV. Yeah, uh, it's it's gonna perk up again. 
in a few weeks, but it's going to be slow for a while. Yeah, and well, I mean, and uh, that's something that we'll talk about in our next segment. We're going to take a little break here, listen to uh, listen to a little Butchie's tune by The Love and Spoonful, which was uh, featured in this week's episode of Mad Men, and we're going to come back and do a uh, preview of the summer shows that are coming coming our way. So we'll there are be, more than you think. There are far more than you think. So that's coming up right after this. Again, that was Butchie's tune by The Love and Spoonful, which was on this featured on this week's episode of Mad Men. We uh, decided it was time that, you know, we're a little late with this, but we decided it was time that we took a look at what some of the summer TV is going to be now that, you know, the, the seasons have officially finished off. I think Cougar Town was the last network show, at least, that, that we watch, or I watch, to, to finish up. So it's officially, for me, summer um, so we decided we would do like kind of like we did in the fall, a fall preview. We're going to do a summer preview. So, uh, Simon, what's the first show that you have that uh, on, on your list coming to us this summer? For the record, we're including all the fringe stuff that you would never think to include. So Yeah, it's going to be a long one. Yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff, uh, surprisingly. It's starting off with a show called Borgen, a Danish series that's airing on Link TV. Uh, it's from the same uh, channel that originally aired uh, Forbidelsen, which was, of course, remade to The Killing. So uh, you you can keep an eye on this one. It's about the uh, the first Danish prime minister. Female. Sounds kind of female. Sorry, yes. <laughs> yes, the first female Danish prime minister. Sounds potentially intriguing. Don't know much about it. Yes, they're doing a remake on NBC with Jason Kadams from Friday Night Lights, uh, theoretically. But this one started this past week, so there's plenty of time, theoretically, to catch up with it. And uh, this is the second season that's starting right now. So I have a feeling these uh, international shows you shouldn't be too hard to catch up with the first season if you're interested. If you check it out, let us know what you think. Let us know if we need to get on that one. The next one that we have here is Longmire, which, again, also started on Sunday. It's on A&E at 10 p.m. It stars, among others, Katie Sackoff and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, and it's about a uh, like a sheriff running a police station um, and his di- intricate and difficult personal life as well. Uh, I'm not that interested in this one, but it has Katie Sackoff as who you have just recently discovered. Yes, starting watching some Battlestar, so I'm pr- I'll probably check into it just for that. But uh, early word has not been fantastic on that one yeah tv westerns recently not a great track record except for you know the obvious yeah um i mean actual not non-revisionist westerns (laughs) i should say uh well the the uh the traditional ones don't necessarily fare as well uh next up we have a series called push girls which is going to be airing on the sundance channel and from what i understand it's uh been kicking around sort of the 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 press for a while it's been it's been seen by people and seems to be in, seems to be liked it's about uh, a group of girls who are in in wheelchairs uh, and their sort of their lives the, what 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 sort of troubles me about it is the the fact that they specifically choose gorgeous women to follow around like we can't just follow 
average looking women in wheelchairs and look at their lives. We have to follow gorgeous women in wheelchairs because otherwise their lives wouldn't have value. Well, but, but Simon, you know that people in wheelchairs, they can't be pretty. No, I, I, I see that that's also an angle, but yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, I, I see where you're coming from and you see where I'm coming from and we'll leave it at that. I actually, I agree with you. I'm just giving you a hard time. And that one, of course, started this past uh, Monday as well. So not plenty of time to catch up with that. Starting uh, this today, Tuesday night on ABC Family, it's the return of Pretty Little Liars, which is a, apparently, I've been told, a soapy fun show, which I have not gotten into but I know it's based on a series of books, and uh, th- but it's kind of following the Vampire Diaries true blood method of keeping some of it, steering away from other parts of it. Um, but from all accounts, at least that I've heard, it's it's a lot of fun if you're looking for like a guilty pleasure kind of show. So that's on ABC Family. I'm always confused that it's on ABC Family because I know that it was the subject of some controversy mm-hmm. um, when it during its last season due to some quasi lesbianism. Uh, you, you'd think that ABC Family would want to steer away from anything even vaguely controversial just by the virtue of the family part, but I don't run a network, so. But this is also the the, the network with uh, the, the huge hit of Secret Life of the American Teenager about teen pregnancy, so. That's true. Uh, next up is a series that I will not be watching one iota of. It's called <laughs> Saving Hope, which is, I, I must be a Canadian series because it's set in Toronto about about ghosts in a hospital no thank you next it worked so well last time this one it has michael shanks who sci-fi fans will know from uh from stargate but yeah it doesn't look particularly good so let's move swiftly on to true blood six uh starting on on june 10th on hbo so this coming sunday you're gonna watch the season or at least check it out I have not watched even one episode of True Blood. I'm just going to fling myself in there because what the hell? Why the <laughs> hell not? It's a true bloody thing to do, it seems to me, to just fling yourself in there midway through and just have at her with no attention to logic. Uh, I, I, I've been I've been looking at some highlights on YouTube. I, I, I feel like I'll, I'll figure it out. Whatever. It should be, I'm sure you'll, you'll be fine. I don't, we'll see how long you stick with it, if, if it annoys you too much or if you kind of have fun with it. I, I have a lot of fun with it, but I'm really looking forward to Chris Maloney coming on. I wish he was, you know, getting to be funny because I think he's hilarious. But uh, apparently he's going to be rather a menacing figure, so... That should be pretty fun. Yeah, whenever whenever I want Chris Maloney being funny, I'll just put put my uh, what hot what hot American Summer works. His appearances on Wonder Chosen also quite lovely. He's good on Scrubs. I wouldn't know. I haven't I haven't seen Scrubs. <laughs> I confess. I I am a Zach Braffophobe. 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 <laughs> Anywho, speaking of things I haven't seen, uh, Bunheads comes from the creator of uh, Gilmore Girls, and it's airing on ABC Family quite soon about a ballet school and that's really all i got i've never seen gilmore girls people who i know there are obsessives a lot of you at home i i don't know what to say it's a good show i I may never watch it it's long one of these days we'll get a shelf on it and you can we can give you a sampling to to check it out and see what you think i would be fine with a sampling but it's 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 too long too many episodes you don't need to watch the whole thing it's a lot of episodes and it, it it's not serialized like some of these other ones so that's i mean i i enjoy gilmore girls quite a bit um so i i this might be one that i check out i don't care about ballet really uh, at least not the abc family version of ballet but we'll we'll see we'll see what happens but it's the classical of dance why don't you care oh i like ballet i don't care about an abc 
family show about Emily teenagers show about ballet. Fair enough. in ballet. But who knows? Who knows? Every time you add teenagers to an equation, it's instantly less interesting. <laughs> the uh, Speaking of less interesting, at least for me, is the return of Dallas on TNT June 13th. I don't care. I really don't. I, the, the TV wants me to care based on the number of ads I'm seeing, but... No, I mean, is it just me? Other people seem excited for Dallas. There, there seems to be a lot of nostalgia surrounding the original Dallas. Like, I, I'm reading a lot of pieces about how it's it's actually relevant to our lives, and we should be excited for this <laughs> remake because oil. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. Uh, next up is a show I used to really enjoy and then fell out with uh, Burn Notice on USA, the USAist of the USA. <laughs> I would say that the, the show that that really set up their template most successfully. Uh, I haven't watched it in at least two seasons. Uh, you know, if it's it's the sort of it, it it. I mean, it's the quintessential USA show. If it's on, it's diverting. But if you watch too much of it, you'll start the seams start to show up. See, now I would actually disagree with you. I would say first of all that Monk is the show that established the USA. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, you're right. Monk, and then followed shortly after by Psych, who it occurs to me is not on our list, but I look forward to that to that show returning if only because their hundredth episode is coming up and they're doing a clue episode and that sounds amazing to me but but i think i personally think burn notice is more successful in general i just don't care when they start bringing the romantic side of the show into it and so therefore i've also kind of strayed from the show but i know that when i do check it out i usually have have a lot of fun with it um, one another one that I haven't really checked out is uh, Falling Skies, which is coming back for season two on TNT on June seventeenth. Um, you know, I like sci-fi. I I liked Noah Wiley when in the little bit of ER I've seen him in. Um, so maybe this is one I should check out. I don't. Then I... again, it, it is Spielberg and TV. We all know how that goes. Well, okay, but maybe it's time for maybe it's like '90s Spielberg and TV because '90s Spielberg and TV was fantastic. So maybe it's just... Uh, you'll have to refresh my memory. Animaniacs, Freakazoid. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Different different Spielberg. Come on. <laughs> Kitty, Kitty Spielberg was great. Adult Spielberg, not so much. I don't know. We'll, we'll see uh, if, if I get into that this summer. I know that it, Falling Skies definitely has its fans. Um, but yeah, if I'm going to go for a sci-fi show uh, to transition, I'm going to go for... Futurama? Yes. Is that where we're That's, going with this? That is where we're going um, I uh, I'm I'm so glad Futurama is still alive. Mm-hmm. Like who I, I wouldn't who I don't think we would have predicted that a few years ago. So it's it's nice. It's it's tenacity is lovely. It's I, and I, I'm sure I've said this before. I feel like it only fully lives up to its potential maybe three or four times a season, but when it does, it's always a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. And in, in particular, um, the uh, the late Philip J. Fry, I think that was from last season, yeah. is like one of the very best things they ever did. <laughs> So, honestly, if they just wanted to do a whole season of, of time travel and poignancy, I would be all for that. Yeah, they're they're one of the shows that I think has done time travel the best. I love their whole Alpha Brainwave arc. And at some point when Futurama is no longer on the air, I really look forward to a DVD shelf on, on that show. So, we'll see. But that's coming back on the 20th. Um, and I think we may have somebody covering that for the website. Fingers crossed that that we, we may. Uh, comes together. Uh, next, we have Aqua something, you know, whatever, which <laughs> you had to explain to me because I had no idea what that meant. Um, in case there are any other listeners who are in my side of of the universe as far as knowing what's going on, why don't you explain? 
So, uh, it used to be called Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which, by the way, this now counts as its ninth season. It premiered in the same season as Harvey Birdman. <laughs> Just let that let that sink in for a minute. And then last season, they changed it to Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1. And apparently, they're, they're now committed to changing the title uh, every year. So this year, it's Aqua something, you know, whatever, whatever. Which, since it got a new fantastic theme song courtesy of Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age last year, I assume that means it's getting another new theme they're just going to do this every year i i really i, I never watch aqua teen i I've, I've seen a few seasons on dvd but i really admire their dedication to alienating as much of the audience <laughs> as possible well that's coming back as part of adult swim and that's going to be on the 24th which is the same day as, it's probably going to get overshadowed a little bit by the next show we have here may and probably not deservedly yeah. it's the newsroom it's uh hbo's new aaron sorkin series with uh jeff daniels and Emily Mortimer and Sam Watterson and Olivia Munn. Can I just can I just say that was the first sign of trouble? <laughs> You've got all these brilliant actors and Olivia Munn. I don't know. Maybe she's got secret reserves of talent somewhere, but uh, I'm skeptical. I mean, we've, I've already complained about my frustration about its title and the fact that now no one's going to check out the Fantastic Canadian series, The Newsroom. Because they're going to immediately assume it's this. I, I, I like Aaron Sorkin. I love uh, The West Wing. And I, I really, I'm not sure. It's been too long since I've seen it for me to say if I love Sports Night or just really, really like it. But uh, I, mean, I I very much respect and uh, appreciate Sorkin. The trouble I'm having with what I'm seeing about the newsroom is that the uh, the Daniels character appears to be Josh Lyman from the West Wing, only he's a news guy instead. Like, the the performance down to the mannerisms and the mode of speech is exactly the same, so it's kind of turning me off. Um, plus, the I just there's so much potential for soapbox st- grandstanding that yeah, I'm a little... That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I Do you remember when uh, five or six years ago, or maybe even longer ago, George Clooney wanted to do a a TV version of the movie Network, like a live TV version, Oof. and then it never went off the ground. Thankfully, yeah. it never happened. This, to me, is like that, only in serious form, and it just seems like a bad idea. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be great. I mean, it does have a great cast, and Sorkin's done some good stuff, although I'm I'm a, I'm a, definitely a Sorkin skeptic mm-hmm. myself, so we'll see. But, yeah... I think we're more skeptical than the entire internet combined, so... Yeah, I'm really surprised that more people aren't hesitant about this, but hopefully it'll explode my brain. Um, I would love I would love to be surprised, and to transition off of that, one of the shows that surprised me last year was Awkward, with a period, which is coming back for its second season on June 28th on MTV. Yeah, that's a surprisingly great little show we didn't really get to talk about much, because... I was watch, watching it alone, um, <laughs> and I, I think I, I, I mentioned this when we were talking about Suburgatory last week. I feel like those shows occupy a, a pretty similar spaces, just in the sense of both being about sixteen-year-old girls and both ha- who, are, who who narrate and clearly are the sort of authorial character voice of the show and s- similar kind of settings, but and similar tones in a way. But awkward is meaner and funnier. And uh, certainly a little bit more daring in a lot of respects. And in some ways, uh, if, if I sit the, the shows next to each other, I, I agree with you that Jane Levy's argue, is arguably the better performance. But uh, I, I do, I'm looking forward to having it back for sure. 
Yeah, and uh, that'll be a fun one to to catch up with. I have a feeling. I by the I, I mean I marathoned that show at, at toward the end of the uh, the year last last year. So I look forward to watching it week to week, and we can talk about it on the podcast. And it'll it'll be fun. That being said, I really wasn't blown away by the uh, season ending cliffhanger. Oh, which like, boy? <laughs> that and the whole the thing with the letter. Ah, like, yes. Ca- thanks, Captain Obvious, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I trust they'll go more interesting places from there. Yeah. Speaking of more interesting places, uh, the FX comedy lineup is back, uh, which was a, a tremendous highlight for me last year, thanks to, thanks mostly to Louie, which was our the, the mutually anointed Televerse best show of last year back on June 28th, uh, along with its former partner, Wilfred, which I just recently finished up its first season, and I, I was really intrigued by the way it ended. I'll be curious to see if they can keep up that weirdo momentum. And then there's something called anger management that happens. Yeah, I think that's uh, exactly as many words as we need to take for that show. But I very much look forward to Louie. I'm going to catch up with some of Wilfred and dip my, my toes in there. I'm not very interested or excited about that one. To be honest, but I hope to be surprised. And I've had you're you're not the only one, Simon, telling me I need to to check out Wilfred. So I look forward to to uh, figuring it out. I wouldn't call it a a great show. It's certainly nothing on the order of Louis or close to it. I mean, most things aren't, but it definitely has some strange charms. And I'm I'm very curious to see it. it the creators claim that they have a fully developed mythology for the character <laughs> of Wilfred which I find hilarious because the show itself, clearly the mechanics of it don't make any sense. So this, this sort of blend of open nonsense with this, this, this supposedly this really worked out backstory is interesting to me. Cool. Uh, we'll and see. I don't know what else there is to say about Louie except, oh, except uh, I can say that supposedly I, I read this somewhere and maybe it's just made up. Supposedly, there will be four Academy Award winners showing up over the course of the season. <laughs> I don't know who they are. Maybe one of them is Three Six Mafia. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, in- interested to find out who that is. I mean, he did have F. Murray Abraham last year, so which was pretty fantastic. We'll so yeah, we'll see. Um, next we have 2012, which is something I just kind of stumbled across. I had never heard of it, about that. This it's a new show that's premiering on BBC America on the 28th. That's gonna follow. It's a mockumentary series uh, following the Olympic Committee, sort of in in England, setting up for the London Olympics. I guess the 2012. So I think it's supposed to be comedy behind the scenes of trying to deal with. I'm sure what is a very stressful and in the vein of other British mockumentaries, uh, probably rather mundane. Uh, yeah, ins and outs of of what's going on. It's going. It's narrated by David Tennant, but the the draw for me is that it's going to uh, star Jessica Hines among some others, and I love her on Space, so I'm really looking forward to seeing her uh, come and it's back. Been, so it's been like a deck over a decade since we've seen her in anything. So yeah, about damn time. She did some voice work on. Um, I think she was Matilda Hopkirk in one of the early Harry Potter movies. She's popped up in um actually one of my least favorite scenes in the hour this past season though she she was good but um so she's been here around but not really come across the pond that much so I, i'm really looking forward to that hopefully it'll be something uh new and fun to check out so the the 28th is a big day for comedy it, 
it is, or at least it's a big day for us to watch stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and if although I've been ruined for sort of British mockumentary style comedy in the sense that if 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 it's not peppered with Ianucci style creative swearing, I'll be very disappointed because yeah. that's what I expect from British <laughs> comedy now. I, I, it's been ruined. Well, we'll see. Next up is another twofer, uh, courtesy of Showtime, who sort of constitute my biggest blind spot in television right now. They've got this, in in a way, they, ha- they have a niche, almost as entranced as USA's, of sort of darkly funny character dramas that are centered around, uh, you know, a sort of a, a clear star performer. In in, in this case, uh, Mary Louise Parker and Matt LeBlanc in respectively Weeds and Episodes. Boy, there was a time when Weeds was a really good TV show. And apparently that has happened a couple times since, but I wouldn't know because I gave up on that thing probably five years ago. How It's on its 17th season, I think? It's something like that, yeah. It's getting ridiculously long. Holy crap. That thing does not, that that is a show that really could use an end date, and I don't think we'll ever have one. I think I think we'll be watching it in our sixties. Uh, and I I haven't I confess to not having seen any of episodes. The concept of it doesn't really interest me. The whole meta showbiz thing never really did much for me. Well, it's one. It's an interesting one because the people who like it really like it, but there's a lot of people who don't who aren't fans at least that I, you know, that I'm aware of. So I don't know, maybe it's one I, I feel like I should dip my toes into. I've seen some weeds. I, I kind of got, I watched a, you know, I binged on weed at some point and uh, in one of the earlier years and enjoyed what I saw, but I haven't felt compelled to go back. So I, yeah, I think I also have that same blind spot for Showtime that you do. Um, next we have Perception, which is premiering on July 9th on TNT, and this is uh, one another one of these wacky procedurals where Eric, I believe Derek McCormick is going to star as a uh, a brilliant crime solver who is also a paranoid schizophrenic. Ah, <laughs> good. Yes. So we'll see. Uh, you know, TNT has been trying to establish their brand. I assume this is going to be more of the similar. It's like USA, but not quite kind of idea. So we'll see if, if they're able to rise above, you know, what sounds like a less than stellar original premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is a couple of shows on DirecTV premiering on July 11th. Uh, first up is Damages, which is, has, I believe, its fifth and final season. And I, I, another show that I wouldn't expect to have been alive right now because it had a bit of a tumultuous history over on FX. Uh, before DirecTV bought it up and rescued it. Um, it. Personally, Damages, I think, had an amazing, or at least a very solid first season, albeit a very gimmicky one. And then season two, they somehow managed to get William Hurt, Marsha Gay Harden, Timothy Oliphant, and a bunch of other guest performers I'm forgetting about, and still become insanely boring and needlessly convoluted. Uh, so that was a huge disappointment. I haven't visited the show since. Uh, I've I've heard generally good things, and John Goodman was kicking around last year, so I'm sure that was a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to come back now, I don't think. Uh, and uh, then, of course, there's also a show that has such a loaded premise that it will at least, if it's going to fail, it should be somewhat spectacular. It's called Hit and Miss, and stars Chloe Savini as a transsexual hitman, hit person, uh, who finds out that they have uh that rather that she has uh that she has fathered some children in the past and didn't know about it and 
also keeps being a hitman, and there's so much going on. Yeah, we'll see uh, what happens, but you're right, loaded premise. I like Chloe Savini as much as the next man, possibly more, but it's a lot to handle. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, next, I have The Return of Leverage on July 15th, TNT. And this, I mean, I don't think it's a particularly groundbreaking show or anything, but I, you know, it's reliably fun. I can't, you know, they, it's actually a really stylish show as far as I'm concerned. And I think that the use of their editing and the, the look and the use of music on the show goes a long way towards uh, making it more fun for me than some of the other uh, shows of that ilk but uh, uh so i know that there, it leverage has its fans so that's coming back in the second week of july second or third week of july and on the same day as uh breaking bad Woo! which oh man how rough is it gonna be eight weeks after july 15th when we get the last <laughs> <laughs> the last episode of these eight episodes eight measly goddamn episodes we're getting this year uh it's just there's no way that's not going to be one of the most agonizing nights of 2012 for just everyone. Uh, I mean, I'm very excited to have it back. I'm I'm so glad they're they're they decided not to stretch it out into infinity because this is a show that should absolutely not stretch out into infinity for many obvious reasons. Uh, I'm going to be writing about it weekly, I believe, like I did last year. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a, a thrill ride. There's no way uh, no. T- I, I, I hate to sound like a poster quote, but come yeah. on, it's Breaking Bad. It's Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah. Also premiering that same night, poor, poor show, is uh, Political Animals, which is going to be on USA. Again, like I said, July 15th. This is a mini series, but apparently it's also a backdoor pilot. So we'll see how, how it goes. It does sound pretty interesting, though. It's, it's starring Sigourney Weaver as a former first lady who's currently the Secretary of State. So sort of a... Yeah, based somewhat on Hillary Rodham Clinton, assumedly. Um, and it has a really interesting cast, including uh, Caesar, Kieran Hines. So I, uh, I'm i going to definitely check it out because I think it's really interesting that we have this cast and this premise of a show on USA. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll... Hopefully we can tell more about what the show will be from its cast than we can from its network. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if they even try to break the USA mold or if they'll somehow manage to make that into just another one of their shows, despite the very different sort of premise from what they usually do. Uh, next up is a pair of shows on sci-fi premiering July 23rd. Uh, of course the second season of alphas is that night. I have to say I was impressed with parts of the first season, I think I think it ramped up uh, admirably. Although actually, I don't. I still don't think I watched the finale of that season, so I should probably do that soon. Um, it had some really nice peaks. It's got a really strong cast. Uh, a lot of interesting ideas percolating. I mean, it's it's basically Zach Penn's excuse to do an X Men series on TV, just not the X Men, uh, which gives him a lot more freedom to just be wild and crazy with it. So I've I've been enjoying it in that sense. Uh, also premiering that night is Warehouse Thirteen, which. I've never watched, I've heard really good things about, and has Saul Rubinek, mm-hmm. who I absolutely adore. He's so fabulous. I, really, I, I need to be, I should probably start watching that this, this season. Yeah, I, I've seen some of Warehouse 13, and I always have so much fun with it. I, I, I'm a big fan of this whole steampunk uh, aesthetic that the show that the show uses, and uh, it, it that really kind of separates it out. And I mean, Eddie McClintock and, and Joanne Kelly, I think, are a lot of fun uh, together and really work. And Saul Rubinek is great. And though I, I think he really started to work when they brought in Alison Scagliotti, who I think that's early in the, I 
first or maybe second season when she comes in as sort of the uh the the offset the young kid who's um the like super teen kind of idea but putting her with silver Binek just kind of lets him be curmudgeonly and and fun so i have a lot of fun with warehouse 13 when i check into it so i think it's about time i got back to it and i definitely will be checking out alphas i've been meaning to catch up with that for quite a while now and i will definitely catch up before the the series comes back um, next, I have a couple uh, shows that don't have a specific date yet, but are set for July uh, for Adult Swim, and that's Black Dynamite and Squidbillies. Uh, have you seen Black Dynamite? Uh, I've seen, yes, I've seen the film Black Dynamite. I seem to be uh, the only person relatively unamused by it. I'm not sure why. Because you're terrible. It's amazing. Dynamite. Dynamite. I don't know. I, I, I prefer to, to chuckle at actual ridiculous exploitation movies. Sorry. Yeah. So, so I look. That's going to be animated. So I look forward to to seeing uh, if it can capture the fun of the the film. I'm a little, you know, I'm not too convinced by that because I think the live action element. I mean, I, I don't see how you necessarily capture that same tone in animation. I feel like this is more likely going to be just a straight up, you know, action show. But we'll see. And then Squidbillies is just silly, crazy fun. So I, I think we're gonna. I'm gonna try to watch that and review it on the show every week because I have I have a lot of fun when I when I uh, catch up with the Squidbillies. Excellent. I've never seen it, but if if you wherever you go, I will blindly follow for some reason. Victory. Uh, next up, next up is uh, Major Crimes premiering on TNT on August thirteenth, starring Mary McDonnell, and uh, it is a crime drama, and that is pretty much all I got. Well, it's the uh, it's, oh, it's a spinoff of the closer of the closer, yes, that, which that I see now. <laughs> on my Wikipedia summary, I've never seen the closer, so I uh, I got nothing here. The closer is apparently one of the stronger uh, procedurals going at the moment. It's going to finish up its final season this summer, and so then it'll be followed by the spinoff. But I know that uh, the people that I know who watch the closer uh, highly regard it as one of the best procedurals going. So it's it's a big blind spot for me. I haven't checked it out, but I I have. On good authority that I am a terrible TV fan for not having seen more of it. I mean, J.K. Simmons, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. J.K. Simmons. Next, we have The Return of Boss on August 17th on Stars. Oh, Boss. We we, we watched some season one. We weren't fans, uh, but at least half the internet seems to think the show is amazing. So... Maybe you guys are right, but season two comes back in August, so enjoy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm maybe I'll watch the season one finale at some point just just for kicks if I get really bored. But man, did that first season get ridiculous fast? Yeah. Holy crap! Uh, that that show went down some blind alleys and did it with gusto. And <laughs> I, I mean, good good for them, I guess, and good for the fans. But it's just it's too much for me. Yeah. Uh, next up is the first original series from BBC America, premiering on August 19th. It's called Copper, and this is a post-Civil War uh, cop show, so it's set in the 1860s, which is enough of a hook to interest me, really. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see how this turns out. Yeah, I like a lot of uh, BBC America's programming, so I think they've made smart decisions about what they bring over, what they import, so I look forward to seeing if they are able to to have the same eye for quality with their original shows. But, I mean, we there's lots of New York cop shows, but I can't think of another one set in this time period, so it should be interesting. Nope. Um, and then also, uh, 
sets for sometime in August, but without a firm date yet, are the return of Children's Hospital and NTSF SDSUV um, on Adult done. Swim. Just right off the tip of the tongue there. Uh, so I caught up with Children's Hospital last year, and I'm so glad that I did. I love that show, so I'm very much looking forward to having it back, and I'm going to get to catch up with NTSF with NTSF SDSUV, <laughs> which I have not seen any of. So I look forward to catching up with that. Now, is Newsreaders happening this season also, or is that next? Is that the fall? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I, I'm not. It wasn't listed. This where you know where I saw the other Adult Swim shows listed, but it, it might be. I, I like that. Gradually, you might remember in the last season of Children's Hospital, there's an the, in there they have a Newsreaders episode in which every character of Children's Hospital gets their own spinoff. Yeah, I feel like that's actually the future we're heading into because children. <laughs> Like their their shows are so short and so cheap to produce that they can pretty much just do whatever. Yeah, and it it makes you dream of a world in which every network has that freedom and how amazing and terrifying that would be. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, but if every uh, if every show has even half the comedic potential as Children's Hospital, then I'm good for them doing as many spinoffs as they want. Yep, I totally agree. They're they're on a roll there for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up and last for me is. Strike Back on Cinemax, which I have not seen one iota of. In fact, I don't tend to hang around Cinemax. I must say, I uh, I'm a terrible 45 year old divorcee. But um, uh, some it has its devotees. Apparently, it's a straight up action series with lots of action and gratuitous sex. And I know that uh, Alan Sepinwall, for instance, is a big fan. And it has defenders elsewhere. It's supposedly way better than it, than it has any right to be, and I'm sure it's true if all of these smart people are saying so. I just haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, me neither. Maybe that's one to catch up with. Maybe it'll be one of these days when I'm, like the day I come back from Comic-Con, when I'm just dead and trying to recover from the con funk or whatever. I can just sit and watch a bunch of these different shows that I need to catch up with. Yeah, and so that's uh, that's our summer uh, uh, preview. It occurs to me we didn't mention Metalocalypse. We didn't mention a couple of these other shows that are that have already started up. So if you guys have uh, shows that you want us to check out, let us know. And I really, I, I always say this, but I really should be watching Metalocalypse because I actually listen to metal and I feel like I would enjoy it. And I, I've even listened to what to at least one of the Death Clock records, and they're really fun. But I, I've still I've I've listened to more Death Clock than I've watched Metalocalypse, which seems wrong. Oh well, so maybe that'll maybe we can fix that. You know, we we have what, maybe we covered like what five shows today in our weekend TV. So true. Uh, it was pr- it was pretty brutal. Yeah, so maybe maybe that'll be coming next week. So before we go to our DVD shelf segment with Amory uh, Cunningham from My Take on TV, a few show notes. Our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by the Bicycles. Our, we'll have a post up at soundonsite.org with, where you can listen to this podcast streaming. Otherwise, uh, you can download it there or you can listen to it streaming on Current or you can download it in iTunes. We have an M- MP3 and an M4A. The M4A feed has chapter breaks so you can skip around. Um, let's see, you can email us at theteleverse at gmail.com. We are both on Twitter. As we said earlier, I am at the Televerse. You are? At, at Sucker Howl. And what shall our question for the week be? Um, you know what? Since I'm moving, how about this? Uh, which city needs more representation on TV? Ah, good question. I would have said Chicago, except that in the past two years, there's been a Chicago explosion on TV. Yeah, so no no more Chicago. There's been too much Chicago, if anything. (laughs) That's a great question. So 
please let us know what you think. And uh, so we'll take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with Amory to talk dead like me. Lass. I'm 18 years old and I'm down there somewhere. I'm going to tell you a story. Not my story, that's later. This is just a story. Ready? Once upon a time, or more specifically at the dawn of time, God, lowercase g, was getting busy with creation, as the kids these days are saying. He gave Toad a clay jar and said, Be careful with this. It's got death inside. Pleased as punch and oblivious to the fact that he was about to become God's fall guy on the whole death issue, Toad promised to guard the jar. Then one day, Toad met Frog. Let me hold the jar of death, or whatever you call it, Frog Bag. With a nod to Nancy Reagan's Pearl of Wisdom, Toad just said no. But Frog was determined, and after much whining, Toad finally gave in. You can hold it, but only for a second, he said. In his excitement, Frog began to hop around and juggle the death jar from one foot to the other. Frog was an asshole. Stop! Toad cried out, but it was too late. Frog dropped the jar and it shattered to the ground. When it broke open, death got out. And ever since, all living things have to die. Makes you wonder how much better the world would be if Frog stuck to hawking beer. So there you have it. The mystery of death finally revealed. We all die, some of us sooner than later. For me, it's going to be much sooner, but that's only the beginning of my story. Welcome back to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD shelf, we're talking Dead Like Me, which is from creator Brian Fuller of, of uh, Pushing Daisies and uh, and Heroes, briefly. And those longtime listeners to the podcast will know my difficult history with his involvement with heroes but uh that lovely laugh uh show, lets you know that amory cunningham from my take on tv is here to join us amory welcome to the show hi thanks for having me so we, we talked about a couple different possibilities for for your segment and dead like me is what we ended up with why why did you choose dead like me it's kind of one of those shows that I, I always go back to i have i have a dvd shelf that is like 11 feet wide on my wall and I just stare at it sometimes and Dead Like Me is what I always go back to when I want to do a marathon because it's just, it's an easy way to, to pass some time. And it's not too long that there was too many seasons that I, I get mad at like season three in the middle or anything <laughs> like that. So it's just the perfect kind of one-two punch of something I can enjoy. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a fun show to, uh, to, to marathon. I was talking with Simon beforehand and I mentioned that I've seen this pilot like almost probably 10 times over the years with various groups of friends, you know, when we decided, Hey, we should marathon something, which well, we got to start at the beginning. And so because of that, I've seen the pilot to the show probably more than any other pilot. And I, it's, it's such a, a, 
completely watchable show and it blends comedy and some some darker elements and some real serious dramatic moments as well so i think it just kind of has everything it really does and i think the the important thing is i never watched it when it was on tv so i'm one of those reasons that it was canceled (laughs) you know um but i go back to it all the time because it holds up you know it's been quite a few years now since it premiered and i still you know kind of love the family dynamic even you know because it's kind of a second family for george and then i love the real family dynamic of her family trying to come to terms with it so it just totally makes it makes me smile even though it's about you know death <laughs> well and that's something that you know i should mention for those who haven't seen this show it's about a, a girl georgia or george lass who is 18 and gets killed when she's hit in the head by a toilet seat from mirror plummeting to earth (laughs) and then rather than just dying and moving on she finds out she's been tapped to become a grim reaper and so then she sort of has this makeshift family co-workers of other grim reapers that she's working with um and that she's interacting with on a daily basis and there's a interesting cast there but then we also follow her family uh grieving her loss and trying to put the pieces back together and move on with their lives so it's a you know it's an interesting kind of balance it's not dissimilar tonally i would say with elements of pushing daisies it doesn't have the whimsy but you can definitely Mm -hmm. see how this is a show that though he may not have stuck around for the for much of the run actually it's definitely (laughs) a a brian fuller show now simon you had never seen uh dead like me no and for some reason i always thought it was an hbo series i don't know why i thought that it was just one of those misconceptions you carry around but i uh yeah I'd, i'd seen every other brian fuller original uh dead like me wonderfalls etc and i of course i haven't seen the first season of heroes but i'm you know it's one of those things where i i, I know too much about how awry it goes so yeah I never started. don't don't do it don't yeah don't don't don't, don't start yourself <laughs> yeah now but now i kind of want to to be honest but anyway <laughs> um i i have to say i have to confess that dead like me is probably my least favorite of the brian fuller shows Okay. And I, I know it's, I mean, he doesn't stick around as a showrunner after the first five, epi- after the first four episodes. Yeah, I he believe. doesn't stick along, around long at all. But but the show definitely, it's his blueprint. And right away, you know, if, if you've seen any other sort of, you know, Wonderfalls or Pushing Daisies, you'll recognize his visual style and his sort of Jean-Pierre Genet. I, I do think there is some whimsy here. And, you know, there, there's that sense of coincidence and the fantastical and these sort of relatively grounded settings despite the supernatural aspects mm-hmm. and that's that's all here um i think for me the the dynamics of the show are interesting but slightly off balance uh for instance the the whole idea of following the uh, george's family around after she's gone i think is a really interesting one but it really feels uh, a lot of the time to me like um cynthia stevenson plays her mother and she's great but it often feels like she's off on an other sort of more serious more sober show than these other sort of wacky grim reapers and their adventures and i totally not, get that i uh, totally understand uh, that and like it, it's it's sort of like it's american beauty in one corner and something utterly unlike american beauty in another my analogies totally failed. <laughs> No, I definitely see that. I mean, that's something at first I had a lot of trouble with the character of Joy, who is uh, George's mom. And 
because she's just she's kind of terrible and i love actually upon reflection that both the actress cynthia stevenson and the producers have no trouble making her terrible uh particularly at the beginning of the series while she's dealing with george's loss but i mean her she's terrible to her husband she's terrible to her daughter other daughter reggie and she's just really bitter and unlikable and and then you see her kind of develop over the course of the series and if you watch it again at least for me i felt like you know after i saw kind of the these other elements to her character come out later in, in the series when i went back and watched the earlier episodes they were still there as well but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a very different tone, you know, around the Waffle House, hanging out with the Reapers, yes. than it yes. is, you know, this dark kind of twisty situation going on with with the lasses. And I always, you know, I gravitate towards the interaction she has with like Mason and um, and Rube. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, if I have to pick a favorite scene, it's always something at the Waffle House, or um, it's it's rarely with the family, but. Um, but I, I mean, I love Cynthia Stevenson too, and and this was my first kind of introduction to her, um, and so I kind of have followed her career beyond that, and maybe I have a better opinion of her, not of her, because she was great, even though the writing, you know, that was disjointed. Um, I don't know, maybe I have a better memory of some lighter things she's done. So to me, it doesn't stick out as as disparate, you know, as disparate between the two worlds. Well, and then there's also uh, a happy time and uh, Dolores Herbig and, <laughs> Dolores. and Crystal, who are just pretty uh, ridiculous and, and hilarious. But if we're going to talk about members of this cast, I feel like we have to single out Mandy, Mandy Patinkin. Um, and he's he's just notoriously difficult to work with and kind of <laughs> terrible to work with. And yeah. so you would you, you you might marvel at the fact that he keeps getting work, but there's a reason and that's he's really good and this is such a different character than uh at least it's a much more lighthearted character than what he has uh you know developed over on homeland this past uh, season this past year uh and it's just so fun to watch him get to be you know kind of wacky in in times and and just have a a nice you know father-daughter relationship going on with with george so i really love the character of rube there's actually some there's actually some strange similarities to to his homeland character the more you think about it <laughs> you know he's he's in this like mentor capacity to this young woman of questionable sanity on occasion but um to me uh rube is by far the most believable character but uh, out of the reapers i mean which is sort of another issue for me um i, I find the reapers to be a mixed bag uh and sometimes quite inconsistently written but with rube he strikes me as the kind of guy who, I mean, these, these Reapers are by and large supposed to have been dead for a long time. And Rube is the only one who really feels to me like someone who's been dead a while. You know, he, he knows exactly what he likes. He's very set in his ways. He's pretty inflexible about, you know, his, his reaping tactics. He knows exactly who he is and what he wants done. And that, that, that to me, if, if you've been, maybe it's just a philosophical issue, but to me, effectively, if, if you've been, quote, alive for 100 years, as he has been, more or less, uh, you'll you'll probably be pretty set in your ways. That's true. And, you know, I, I liken it to I was a big fan of Jeffrey Geiger, you know, Chicago Hope. It, that was, you know, he was kind of lighthearted. And, and maybe it's kind of the way his career's gone, where he just goes into these darker, darker roles because Geiger was lighthearted and kind of crazy. And then Rube was, you know, he was strict and he... He, like you said, he was the one who was set in his ways and knew how to what he was doing as a reaper and and kind of didn't put up with 
the the stuff that the rest of the guys tried to put everybody through um to now where he's you know strict and and kind of more of i don't know i don't want to say mean but he can be mm-hmm. and i mean that's how gideon kind of was too on criminal mind so i think that it's kind of followed his career where he was this happy go lucky guy and now he plays just sad dour people <laughs> <laughs> and i love every role he plays it's just yeah he's, yeah well, and another one for me is I enjoy uh, I enjoy the hell out of Roxy, and particularly once we get her backstory, uh, <laughs> and they go full full on flash dance now. So I mean, when I last talked to you about this, you hadn't had a chance to see that one. Did you get to, to squeeze that in or no? No, unfortunately, I, I I ended up having the time to watch almost the entirety of season one, uh, barring a couple episodes, and about half of season two, sort of the beginning and the end. Uh, so there are a few key. I I take it there are a few key episodes in the middle that I missed. Well, and when we right. were talking, one of the big ones for me that you hadn't gotten to was the episode with uh, with Eric McCormick and this 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 notion of mythology building, where uh, I, I actually he really impressed me in his his episode is this just complete scumbag and such a different role that of course everybody knows him from Will and Grace, but so such a, a darker role for him that I I really enjoyed. So maybe hopefully down the line you'll get a chance to fill in some of those gaps. Hopefully. Uh, speaking of gaps, we, I guess as long as we're talking about casting, we should probably talk about the elephant in the room uh, being the switcheroo that happens with Brian Fuller's departure. Mm. Yes. So, I don't know. I go <laughs> back and forth about you know how I feel about the, the change. It just... I don't know. Well, the character, so the character of of Betty is played by Rebecca Gayhart, and then she leaves just about the time that I, I would assume Brian Fuller <laughs> leaves left, and we get instead Daisy Adair played by Laura Harris, and then again when there's the the film or the movie which happens after the two seasons and doesn't have Rube, so has some issues as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> really. Yes. Uh, but yes. <laughs> they also recast uh, Daisy for that with Sarah Winter. And I actually thought it was hilarious that Laura Harris and Sarah Winter played the same character, seeing as they had played sisters on 24 yes. at about the same time. Um, but but yeah, so between, I, mean, like, I really enjoyed Betty and her joie de vivre. Um, but I also liked the, the, the kind of twisty way, again, they went with Daisy. So I'm kind of torn about those two characters. The, the thing to me about, uh, I, I, I can agree with that. I think that's sort of my overall take as well. Although with Daisy, her character evolution I found a little strange. Like they, when when she's first introduced, she's they they go out of their way to make her as superficial and irritating as possible. Right. And <laughs> and then sort of her evolution into this sort of religious, uh, religiously inclined person didn't didn't feel. I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't feel natural like a a natural outgrowth of the character that we'd already met. Sort of like it was sort of like a writerly decision, which which kind of bugs me. Um, and also, when you've got all those scenes of her, you know, wondering about God and 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 the nature of what's beyond, I I, I had to wonder also why she didn't just stop talking about it and just pull a Betty herself. Yeah, I mean that's true. So that I mean that leads to it. It wasn't like character driven. It clearly was something that the writers looked at each other and said, okay, how can we do anything? What can with we Daisy? do? What can we change? So. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, Laura Harris and I, like, I don't know her, but um, <laughs> she's never been a favorite of mine. But I don't know. This was probably my favorite role of hers. Mm. I just, the inconsistency with the writing of Betty did, you know, it throws, throws me off. 
Oh, Betty. God, I keep going back and forth. Yeah, I'm a true fan, and I'm, like, calling everybody <laughs> the wrong names. I promise you I've seen this a million times. But, um, yeah, no, I don't know. Something about it just – she was never – she never remained my favorite, or she never was close to my favorite, actually. Now, one of the uh, things uh, on the show, and it's uh, not dissimilar, actually, to, to – Dead. Uh, to Pushing Daisies, in fact, is uh, I enjoy how creative they are with so many of the deaths. So I was going to ask mm-hmm. if you guys had a particular favorite death. You know, I, I don't have, I don't think I have a favorite death, but I did notice that a couple of times when I was dreaming while watching this this show, just over the course of the yeah. four days or whatever, that I, I started inventing really grisly deaths in my dreams. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's a coincidence. One of the, One of them was like this, giallo like contraption there was a piano and knives it was it was really crazy i I, i'm going to attribute that to dead like me thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) i mean for me it all starts with george's i mean a toilet from you know space station like that to me just kind of sets the tone for the whole show so that sticks out as a favorite um there's been so many like i have trouble i'm so bad with decisions (laughs) it's hard to pick a favorite or a, a thing like that but i don't know they're just so out there and that's part of what I love because and and six feet under did it to a degree too where they kind of followed the most ridiculous things they could find like the people you know I remember one from six feet under where somebody was standing out of a limo and like Mm. just took a sign out so those (laughs) things are just I think it's I I love the macabre of all of the crazy deaths yeah it it sort of makes the the shows into and and even I, I don't know if it was on purpose or not but some of the visual design of the packaging and stuff really has always made Dead Like Me seem like a twin series to Six Feet Under in some strange way. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I mean, maybe that's why I found myself liking Six Feet Under so much when I, like, revisited it, because I did think of the two as kind of hand in hand, mm. even though they were definitely from different teams. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, it, it's just so, it's sort of an interesting uh, mix for me, because while there are definitely these con- continuing elements, to me, a lot of this felt like a, a procedural. I'm curious what you guys thought about that i mean there's the continuing story arc of george's family but pretty much every week you sit down at the waffle house you have your crispy 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 bacon and <laughs> you you get a you get a you get a tag or a post-it note and uh the, and then you follow the the characters as they kind of go i feel like it would be a show that could be easy for people to jump into but maybe i'm biased with all of my serial shows i'm curious what you guys think about that i totally agree and it did and i think like, I don't like your straight procedural that's going to be just a cop drama, which is why, you know, I gravitate towards things like this. Because, you know, this show, yes, it was whimsical and fantastical and things like that. But at the heart, it was consistent every week that you were watching the same type of thing happen. Um, so, yeah, I think it was totally procedural in that way. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And and actually, in, in the sense that it is a serialized drama, it has to be, or comedy, if you want to call it that, um, it's one of the most casually serialized shows I can think of in the sense of there's no master villain. There's no great destination. Most of these characters are heading toward the, the, the serialized elements are just, I guess, I guess they're mostly represented in George's family and just certain wacky hijinks. The, the, um, the Reapers are up to, but there's, there's never any sense of like, hurtling forward momentum for the most part unless you're really on edge about the about the murder thing that happens late in season two which i can't imagine anyone being no <laughs> well and uh it's actually something you you said simon is is pretty interesting to me i love the fact that though these characters that we're following the the reapers that is uh they're all dead or not dead or whatever they're gonna 
call themselves undead, whatever they're going to call themselves. Uh, There's so much uncertainty. And I love that, that even though they are part of the afterlife, I guess, they they still have no idea what else is out there. They don't know how this works. Rube, you know, we get the sense that he doesn't that he just kind of accepts this. But then later you find out that he would love to know how he gets his list of names. Um, and, and so I, I love that even, you know, the, it doesn't, the show doesn't try to give any answers to stuff that, you know, it would feel way too pat if they tried to answer. Yeah. And a lot of shows don't, don't handle that. Well, you know, the things that deal with the afterlife or things like that, they don't handle that, not addressing or not following, you know, one train of thought, like kind of leave it open to interpretation for everybody which I think makes the show kind of, it can be embraceable for everybody then. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I suppose, uh, you know, we've talked about many things, but we haven't actually talked about Ellen Muth. Oh, we probably should. <laughs> who is, you know, the star of the series, and I haven't seen in anything before or since. Yeah. She, and I wish I would, because I enjoy her thoroughly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's something that, it, you know, watching this the first time, I, I had seen Wonderfalls beforehand, and the similarity of in character between uh, George here and Ellen Ruth, and then Carola Davernis as Jay in Wonderfalls, it's, it's I mean, it feels very strongly like uh, Brian Fuller is going to have a distinct voice and character, but then his shows since then haven't had that. So I don't know if this is just he felt like he didn't get a chance to, to play with it enough on the one show, and then he brought it over to the other. Um, but but definitely that that sort of slacker but smart but underachieving kind of character I think is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I I do think it was a little bit more smoothly executed with uh, Davernas's character on um, on Wonderfalls, if only because for the first I think four or five episodes I really didn't like the character. I I I found the the whole slack smart slacker stereotype is just done a little bit too much to the hilt and just kind of bothered me. But uh, I think over time she does. Uh, I don't know if it's just that Muth gets better or the writing gets better, but uh, I, I do find she grows on you gradually over time. Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of both because um, I can't imagine myself at the beginning of the pilot saying how much I wish I could see Ellen Muth in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do now find myself saying, where's she been? Because she really did. I mean, some of the more emotional scenes she got to do where she didn't have to be this sarcastic, you know, loner. Um, I really enjoyed that. Well, there's just that one scene that destroys me uh, every time I watch it of her trying to go talk to her mom. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when you know she loses, because on the show, for those who don't know, um, when you die, you look like somebody different to the people who knew you when you were alive. You look so that way you can't, they can't know that you're still around. Um, and if you try to go talk to them, what happens is you you lose your memories of them so that you aren't able to tell them who you are. And so that you have to make this choice of, do I try to still be around my family, but then it costs me my memories, or do I keep my memories and le- and not see them anymore? And I thought that was such a difficult, tricky, uh, you know, dis- you know, thing to have to deal with. And I thought that you know, it was a nice kind of way to, to, to approach that. I think that it also gives the idea, and it kind of eliminates the need for people to say, well, why doesn't she just go tell her family? Why doesn't she just make that closure? Because there is that reason there. It's not just something she can easily do. Yes. Although, to be clear, she actually appears different to everyone. Oh, you're right. Just, yeah. Not just her family. And that's something that the show doesn't handle uh, very consistently either, I don't think. Like, there are episodes, like, for instance, the 
the sort of uh, VIP episode in season two, um, where if they were going with what she actually appears uh, with to everyone else, the conceit of the episode doesn't really work, but they kind of conveniently forget about it because that she just appears like Ellen Muth to us. Hmm. Right. So I, I, I find that a little bit annoying, but that's because I'm a stickler for <laughs> consistency. <laughs> Now, another thing I really liked about the show is I really enjoyed the music because uh, it just it has so in general it's so fun, and then of course they do they find an excuse for uh, Mandy Patinkin to sing to sing and which is just fabulous. But in general, I really enjoyed the music uh, choices and even just you know I was talking with Simon earlier the the pink martini que sera sera at the end of the pilot is just fabulous and uh, so so that's another element that I really enjoy. Can I just say that's the creepiest song ever written? There's nothing <laughs> even remotely comforting about it at all. It's nihilistic <laughs> and, and messed up. Huh. Yeah. And anyone anyone who's ever sung that to a child should be sent to protective <laughs> that, that that kid needs to be sent to protective services. Well, have you seen The Man Who Knew Too Much? Yes. It it's it's nice there, right? It's comforting in that film. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just I, I always start paying too much attention, and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, there are a lot of songs where if you like listen, wait to actually what's going on, it's like, hang on, why am I singing this with children in the car? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not. But uh, so I, I think I think we're about we're about out of time. But do you guys have any final thoughts you want to address? I didn't mention Mason at all, and this is my first introduction to Callum Blue, mm-hmm. and I love that man. <laughs> I just love him. I think that, um, I don't know, he wasn't always played consistently, but he was just so charming. And I always wish for, like, love for him. I wish for better parts for him because yes. I've only seen him in a couple things, but I saw I saw some of his stint on Super, uh, on, no, sorry, on Smallville, and he was terrible, mostly yes. because they were giving him such horrible horrible stuff to play but i was watching it uh just kind of flipping past watching it and i was actually in Cusco, and so there was there was like the only english channel that was on <laughs> and i just i couldn't watch it because it was so bad i know that callum blue is good i've seen him be excellent yeah what he really can be and to you? um yeah smallville was not was not his greatest <laughs> but yeah so that was i mean i love dead like me and i even watched the movie and yeah should we talk it. about that i mean there's not much to say other than I miss Rube and to a, to a weird degree, miss Laura Harris, even though I don't really like her. And then I just, I don't know. I do like Henry Ian Cusick though. And I don't know. It made it difficult because I love him so much and I just didn't embrace the film as much as I liked the movie, the show. Well, and while I did really enjoy the material we got, we get with Reggie in, in the movie, mm-hmm. it negates so much of what the show had said and established yes. that while those scenes are really, really nice, I mean, the show ended on a, a, I thought it ended very well without the movie. And while I am glad to have more dead like me, it just, it, I don't feel like, I feel like somebody at some point should have kind of nixed it. Yeah. There were so many opportunities along the way for it to not get made. Yeah. Um, and they should have just taken one and they should have taken one. And just because you, you know, you want to remember the movie or the show. So and you can't because of what they did with the movie. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not terrible. It's right. just it it feels slightly off or slight. It's it doesn't quite fit in with the tone and 
and and the world of dead like me uh, as much as i would like and as much as i enjoy desmond he's no rube so right exactly yeah i didn't bother with the film knowing there was there was no rube in it uh it did i didn't see the point as much as again i also like henry and cusick um t- to me i i like a lot about dead like me i'm not sure it totally coheres for me but i i'm glad that i saw it and i definitely see uh, overtures for what uh, Fuller would do later in uh, in interesting ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and we'll see if he brings any elements of this to show. I mean, I would be very... Because I know, for example, he was going to have George's father be gay or be in the closet, and and, and that they were going to deal with that. And then when he left, that got completely, you know, nixed. And so nixed. I would be curious to see or to find out at some point what plans he had for the direction of the show. And then I guess to see if he brings some of this character or this tone to his remake of the monsters which is another sort of semi-macabre kind of show but we'll see what happens with that one moving forward yes i mean i follow brian wherever he goes however limited he stays um so i I have hopes for his other stuff and continue to love him absolutely well thank you so much for coming on the show emery where can our listeners find you um, you can find me at mytakeontv.com. I'm on Twitter, mytakeontv, too. And we do a podcast, tvtimes3.com, where we just kind of talk about the week in TV. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks and for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. <laughs>